How are people feeling? How are people doing? Are people a little bit like, I can't believe that this is the Sunday before Christmas? Or are people like, yeah, no, I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling pretty prepared. What's going on? Put, for, uh, hands up if you're like, you're, you're pumped and you're feeling ready. Okay, so, and then for everybody else who's just feeling every other form of emotion? Yeah, way more hands in that one. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so we only have five days left to go uh, till Christmas. Now, in me saying that, I'm aware that for f- uh, probably really quite a few of you, you're feeling excited about it. You're like, yeah, five days to go. You're going to be waking up. Probably, like, I'm guessing Jordan is going to be doing this. I know Jeremy's definitely going to be doing this. Going to the tr- Christmas tree, shaking the presents before anybody else wakes up, that kind of thing. That's what Jeremy's into. Done it already, Yeah. Yeah, Linda has to keep wrapping the presents because Jeremy's unwrapped them all. Um, so some of you are pretty excited. You're like, yep, no, nah, I'm ready for this. This is going to be good. Now, for others of you, uh, me saying that there's only five days left till Christmas probably caused a sense of panic or stress. So, yeah, it was there a few in the room that were a little bit more like, I am not ready, Dave. Yeah, we had quite a few hands on that one. Now, The thing is, is that there's potentially, I'm thinking here this morning, a third category for those of you who, uh, when I say five days left to Christmas, I'm guessing that there are maybe some in this room here who are more, would probably experience something more along the lines of like dread, where it's just like, you know what, I'm just not ready for Christmas, I'm not a fan of Christmas, and I don't know what that, like why that is for you. For you, you might just be like, honestly, if they play Snoopy's Christmas one more time, I'm going to murder everybody, okay? Now, I understand that, but at the same time, I'm really hoping that this morning as we journey towards just a part of the nativity story, that we would kind of be able to really reclaim, like, in a way, just what this Christmas season is truly about. Because, let's be honest, we are all experiencing a spectrum of emotions as we head towards Christmas, be it excitement, be it panic, be it stress, be it just a sense of dread because of, I don't know, past Christmases, kind of like the ghosts of Christmas past that kind of you feel like haunt you because of, be it relational like tension or pain or the loss of loved ones or like whatever it might be. We get it. We're humans And when it comes to a day of celebration, it can cause all sorts of emotions. But this morning, we lit the love candle, and we are remembering that uh, Christmas is about God's declaration of love and his plan of redemption being set in motion and like radically changing human history from that point on. And so I understand that not all of you love Christmas as much as me. I pray for all of you in that respect. But at the same time, my real desire is, as we journey this this, this morning, that we would experience, in a way, kind of like a, a form of redemption around Christmas, that we would be able to go, okay, this is what it has been, but Jesus, help me discover what you want it to be. Are you guys all good with that? Yeah? Some of you are a little bit like, no, oh, Dave, I'm not too sure. So I thought this morning, how about we just we pray and we just ask Jesus to do that work in us this morning. Is that cool? Yeah, sweet. So if you're like even a little bit like, oh, man, I'm not too sure, just even physically, I would encourage you, if you feel like you can, just put your hands out just as a way of going, Jesus, I'm trusting you with this. Do the work that only you can do. Is that cool? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we want to come to you with uh, the mixture of emotions that we feel around Christmas time. 
We want to recognize that 2020 has been a year. What a year it's been. Um, but for, for some of us this morning, it's not even about what 2020 has been like. It's been every Christmas up to now also. And so, Lord, we just want to gift or give to you these emotions, trusting and knowing that you are good and that you are gentle. And that Christmas, that Christmas is about you redeeming really what was considered irredeemable. You coming and doing what we couldn't do ourselves. And so, Lord, we want to gift to you. We want to give you how we are, how we're feeling, because you care about these things. And we ask that you would journey with us so gently, leading us to a reality of what Christmas is truly about, helping us letting go what it has been at the same time as journeying that well with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your truth that you will declare this morning, and your beauty, Lord. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. So this morning... I wanted to start there because I think it's really important that we note uh, like what has been stirred up in us when we think about uh, Christmas getting closer. Um, but to pay attention so that we can then, just like we did, take these things to Jesus, to allow him to speak into them and to minister to us in them. I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me as a human to feel things and for some reason think that Jesus doesn't care about that, when that's not the reality. In fact, Jesus wants to meet me, like, in that place. And it's not that because emotions matter the most. It's because we were designed to feel things. God designed us in that way. And so we want to let Jesus in to guide our feelings and our emotions into the truth. So that, yes, we feel these things, but at the same time, our feelings are being aligned with the truth of what God has done and is doing. And I think that's so important around Christmas time. Uh, this series has been about making room, about creating space and taking time to be with Jesus, who wants to be with us. And I wonder how that has gone for you this Christmas. I say that without any sense of like condemnation or anything like that. I mean, I can't say how it's gone for you. But I think it's really important to go, how has this Christmas season gone for you? How has this Advent season gone in terms of preparing space? Craig has mentioned over the last couple of weeks that we don't want to be a people that by the new year comes around or Christmas day rolls around and we wake up and we're like, yeah, I totally missed you, Jesus. Like, I, I, I hear that you, like, you're God with us, but I didn't experience you at all. And so, I am asking, just as we like, kind of reflect on the series that has been and the text that we're about to move into, how has this Christmas season been for you in making space for Jesus? Like in amongst all the stuff, um, the end of year deadlines, the nature of 2020, and the preparation for Christmas Day itself, it is challenging to say the least to be present to Jesus. Like, I recognize that. It is hard. Has anybody been busy this week? Hands up. Come on, let's be honest. Anybody been busy this week? 
Yeah, sweet. It's a challenge to be present to Jesus, let alone pay attention to what is going on in us, to what God is saying to us, and how he is trying to minister to us. Uh, we so often get caught up in all the like, commotion going on around us that we forget the far less obvious world of the inside, the interior world. How is my soul? How am I doing really? Um, I've been thinking about over the last like, Christmas season how it's a little bit uncanny that in terms of uh, Christmas season and how it's about babies and all of that kind of thing. Laws and I, we have our, we're expecting our first kid, and it's pretty exciting. And so, thanks, guys. Yeah, John, John, what? <laughs> uh, John, John, every time I ever say anything about the baby, he literally goes to me, you guys are pregnant? So thanks, bro. appreciate that. Um, it's been real interesting is not only have we been, like, in the Christmas season, which is about babies or a baby, should I say, uh, and this idea of a baby being born. Uh, but at the same time, we've been talking about like this prepare him room idea, this concept, and it has been all too real, I would say, for Laws and I this past seven months in terms of getting ready to meet baby Tabram. It has been a reality, and so this is number one for us, and so all you parents are going... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what your parents are going to. I just get like a lot of nods and things these days. And I'm like, I don't know what this means. Pray for me. Um, but some of the things that I've realized, like whilst journeying this, like Laws and I have been journeying um, this pretty cool process. Uh, it has been figuring out, like, kind of like, okay, well, what is this all going to be like? Going to all be like? One of the things. Now, I'm a bit of a research junkie. I love to research. Okay, I love to look into things. I did not know that there was a baby world. Okay, like in terms of like, it's a whole another world. It's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. There are so many things going on, okay? Now, I, if you want to know about prams, come and talk to me about prams, okay? Because I can recommend the best model for you. That kind of thing. I love research, so I've been able to like, get into a whole lot of things. It's kind of been my way of engaging in this process, seen as I'm not personally with child, okay? So that's been my way of engaging. Um, it's been not just about the research, though. It's also been about acquiring the right things to have um, in terms of the things that we need to keep a human alive. Apparently, it's quite a list. Now, at the same time, I would say there are also a lot of opinions. And so if you're feeling like you want to come and talk to me afterwards about like your top 10 tips kind of thing, maybe email them to me sort of thing. But just know that I've already had like a thousand million like tips given to me. And I appreciate your guys' opinions, but we'll make it up as we go, I suppose. That probably sounds pretty dangerous. Anyway, when uh, to, to like to finally, we have been like renovating our house, and we are literally just about to move into renovating the kids' room. So the kids' room is well, we're already kind of like done some of the work. It's been plastered. It's all good to go. We're about to paint it and like start setting up the room. And so we are literally, we have literally been preparing a room. Now, with all of this going on, do I feel any more prepared? What do you think? No. All the parents are like. Duh. <laughs> yeah, the baby has a bed and a pram and some nappies. You know, has some things that potentially are going to be important at some point. But I have no idea what it is like to raise a small human. 
I don't. I'm being honest, vulnerable. You guys can pray for me because we are going to need it. And, uh, and in an attempt to be ready, I would say, it can be so easy to get fixated and focus on having the right things and miss out on the point that I think probably is more important, and it's about like having the right heart. Because it can be really easy to get a whole lot of stuff and to have in a room now, we have like a little pile of things, like stuff that we need to put together. And we can be really easy to focus on those external things and miss out on like what's going on here. Because yeah, what does it look like to give a kid a bed? Well, you give him a bed. What does it look like to be a father who's truly present and just loves them for whoever they are? Man, <laughs> that sounds like a journey that's like not really researchable but something that I've got to go on with Jesus and laws and this kid, whatever that might look like. And so I'm discovering that it is easy. Uh, it is the easy work in comparison. Sorry, I'm discovering that renovating a room is easy work in comparison to the renovation of my interior world or my heart. The person I am and the person that I am becoming. I'm realizing that it is super easy to look at all these external things, to have the right stuff, to know all the different views and opinions on things and miss what I'm, I think is probably the most important part and probably all your parents have been going to be going, yeah, Dave, that's totally it. It is how, uh, who am I and who am I becoming? As a father, what will I gift to my child as I father them and see them grow up to whoever they're going to become? So that's a bit of a journey that I've been on and I wanted to be vulnerable on that one. This morning we, um, we read, uh, sorry, Rose read to us Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 12, and that's the, the nativity or part of the nativity story that we are in this morning. Um, so if you've got your Bibles or your devices or anything like that, feel free to open, or open them on up uh, as we walk through this a little bit. And I want to focus on a few verses in this passage, starting with verse uh, 1 to 3. And so Roz has already read this, but we're going to do a quick recap because I just said a whole lot of stuff. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, uh, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And so here we have Jesus now being born, and the three wise men have come looking for this new king of the Jews. But notice where they go looking for him. Where do they go looking for him? Where, like, what, just based on what we read in this passage, does anybody have kind of like a sense of an idea of where they may have gone? They've, well, yeah, good, good. thanks, John John. They went to Jerusalem. Yep, this is very true. It's very true. The king? Yeah. So I think, I think that, based on this, and I've did, I did a bunch of reading around it over the last couple of weeks, and most scholars would, would agree that uh, when the wise men, or the magi, or the three kings, or like whatever carol it is that you've just sung, um, go and they go looking for, they've gone to the royal courts. They've gone to the places of importance because they're looking for a King, exactly. So they've gone looking for a king, and uh, a part of like why a lot of scholars think that this is the case is that because it says, and like Herod was deeply disturbed at the news that he heard, and that there's like emphasis in the text around the fact that he had heard this. Now, be it a servant who's come and told him, or like whatever it is, um, 
there's this idea that the king, uh, the, the, the three wise men, have gone to uh, places of prominence, of power, where you would expect to find a king. Because if they were just walking around the streets of Jerusalem, that news was far less likely to have made it to King Herod. Whereas the news has... Like it's made it to him, and he has heard it, and he is deeply disturbed by the fact that this is what is now going on. And so, when I spoke last week at the beginning—oh, not last week—at the last, sorry, when I spoke last at the beginning of this Christmas series, we talked about how Christmas, um, or one of the key things or ideas around Christmas, is that it is about God coming to us in the most unexpected ways, showing up in the ordinary and the mundane and how God still wants to meet with us in those places. The issue isn't God's absence, but our inability to recognize his presence in the ordinary, in the common, in the day-to-day. We so often, I so often, can go uh, looking for or seeking after God, like where you kind of expect, like, I mean, church. Church is a great place, yeah? We all agree? Part of why we've come this morning is because we want to connect with Jesus and with other people who love Jesus. This is a great thing. But if my relationship with Jesus is solely built on coming to church on a Sunday and not experiencing God in the Monday and the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, before the Sunday, if I'm not looking for God in the ordinary and the mundane and the basic, the different bits of life, whatever they are, very quickly I will get to this like mistaken thinking that God wants to have very little to do with me. Because if it's all built around a Sunday and two hours on a Sunday, then there is way more of my week that Jesus isn't connecting to. And can you see the danger in that kind of thinking? I think it's something that we can even subconsciously do. That we kind of like come to church and we, we, we come to church with this idea that we want to be like wound up enough to like get through the week so that we can kind of like come limping through the doors of Sunday again and we get wound up again and then off we go sort of thing. It's just like, Jesus, give me enough grace to get through this week. When the last time I checked, Jesus is about meeting us in every moment of every day, ministering to us in every moment of every day making himself known to us in every moment of every day because he is God with us, not just God on Sunday. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's really important for us to be able to note that, to pick up on that, and to just journey with God on that and ask him, if that is the case, Lord, show me what it's like to live life with you on the Monday and the Tuesday and the Wednesday and the taking the car to the mechanic and the picking the kids up from school and the going to work and all the different bits and pieces. And so here we are again. The wise men are looking for a king and they head to the seat of power in Jerusalem. Notice they go to Jerusalem because it was the capital. It was where all the big boys and girls played at that time. They haven't gone to Bethlehem. They go to Jerusalem. And guess what? Jesus isn't there. I love that. I do. Because Jesus comes to us where we are at, and he meets us in our frailty. He meets us in our weakness, in our suffering, and in our pain, in our inability to save ourselves or make things right. Jesus meets us there. Jesus meets us there. Where you are at this morning Jesus wants to meet with you. 
Just sit with that, just for a real quick moment. Jesus wants to meet with you. He is here. Let's lean in. Real quickly, turn to somebody on your left and right and just say, Jesus wants to meet with you. Is that cool? See, that was pretty quiet. I don't feel like you guys are overly convinced, and I understand, because it's just like, well, Dave, what does that mean? What does that look like? All of that kind of thing. But the truth is, the reality of it, whatever it looks like, is that Jesus wants to meet with you. So let's turn to each other and say, Jesus wants to meet with you. All right, sweet. There's a little bit more engagement there. As we journey this next bit, let's dig into that and what that can look like. So the issue for the wise men was not that they were like looking in the wrong place. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the issue for the wise men was that they were looking in the wrong place. That was their issue. They'd gone to place, a place of power. They'd gone to Jerusalem, and they were looking for Jesus there. And the fulfillment of like, the following of the star and the fulfillment of the prophecies that had led them to understand what the star was about and what was going on, there's like, lots of different like, ideas as to what was actually happening there, they were looking for the fulfillment of this prophecy in the wrong place. And as humans, we can do something all too similar when we are looking for fulfillment, when we are looking for fulfillment, be it in a relationship uh, or in a career, chasing a dream, uh, that next promotion, that new car or that toy, the perfect Christmas, I mean, that can be something that we look for fulfillment in, you know, like having like all the family there and everybody loves everybody and nobody is cranky or tired or, you know, all of that kind of thing. And it's just perfect. And we can be like putting our, our hopes and dreams and experiencing a Christmas like that when we, we know that, well, hey, we're humans and 2020 has been a year and we're probably all going to show up grumpy. So let's be honest about that. But at the same time, be okay with that and be okay with one another and just wanting to reach out to one another like, in love and in that place. And so um, other things that we can look for fulfillment in would be the summer bod or that diet uh, that you're engaging in. Um, thanks, guys. <laughs> there are a lot of places that we go to to look for fulfillment, for identity, for satisfaction to feel complete, or at least a little more complete. But are we looking in the right place? And so uh, I would, I would want to say this, and I say this carefully, um, but, but when we go to like, looking to these things for fulfillment, I would want for us to notice that it is actually a relentless cycle. And the reason that I say it is a relentless cycle is because that whenever... What, sorry, like whenever have any of us, once we've actually got that thing or been to that place or met that person or got into that relationship or like whatever it is, fill in that gap for you, have like kind of like sat back and gone, man, I'm totally complete now. I don't want anything more. I'm lacking nothing. Like when in life have we done that when we chase external things? For my, like, in my, like, learnings and, like, the, the things I've gone after, nothing has satisfied. Not even, like, the perfect Christmas present has brought that into my life. And so the question that I would have for us this morning is, like, where are you looking for fulfillment this Christmas? Where are you looking for fulfillment this Christmas? Or satisfaction or, I don't know, 
that you're like investing your hopes and your dreams in? Where are you looking or who are you looking to for that to happen? St. Augustine of um, Hippo, uh, not the animal, the place, um, said this so well and so powerfully when he wrote this. You have made us for yourself. You've made for us yourself. We'll chuck it up on the screen. You've made for us your, uh, sorry. You've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Think about that for a moment. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I know that that has uh, been my experience throughout life, that in chasing thing after thing after thing, relationship, uh, relationships, like whatever it is that I feel will bring completeness to my life, nothing has truly done it until I met Jesus. Like, until I realized that Jesus wanted to meet with me. Until there was a relationship. Until I realized that my, like, only will I be truly fulfilled in that relationship with him. Only can I be satisfied by Jesus. Um, we live in a restless world driven by accomplishment and accumulation. And as humans, we are never satisfied, and we never will be satisfied until we meet the one who has given us that desire. So I want to be really careful here and to say that, that this desire for like the new or the next or that kind of thing, I don't think it's actually a bad thing. I think it's just misappropriated or misplaced. The desire has actually been given to us because we have a God who so loves us and desires to connect with us, and he gave us this innate desire, this desire to connect to him for something more than what the external world can provide. Does that make sense, family? So I think that we need to be really careful to not think that that drive is a bad thing. It can be a misplaced thing, a misappropriated thing, but when it's pulled into line, and we go to the one who can fulfill it, that is a good, good thing. Anyway, he has come to meet with us, Jesus has. And you see this whole concept and practice of preparing room for Jesus is prefaced first with this truth, that he came and prepared room for us, that he made room for us first. That's what this idea of preparing him room the truth before that goes, that he prepared us for him. Grant was talking a bit about that even this morning, and I love how God connects that. We read in Luke chapter 2, 6 and 7, that there was no room for Jesus. We often say lines like, there was no room in the inn. Yeah, that kind of thing. So Jesus, for Mary, and jo uh, for Mary Joseph, and Jesus, there was no room for him. But that... And this is, this is like the beautiful truth of all of us. That did not hinder him or stop him or impede his plan to make room for you, to experience his love and his peace, to be drawn into his kingdom, to experience purpose in life that comes from him and him alone, to experience satisfaction and fulfillment in life. Although there was no room for Jesus, that did not stop him from making room for you. Is that a good thought, family? Yeah? First uh, John 4 verse 10, it puts it this way. This is real love. Not that we loved God. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is real love. Not that we loved Jesus first, but that he loved us first. And that he came willingly for us to conceal his glory and his power for us. To live a perfect life and then to die on the cross and then three days later be raised again so that we could know him. He did that for us because we are not able to save ourselves. And so in preparing room for Jesus, we are simply responding to what he has already done. Is that cool? Do we understand that? In preparing room for Jesus, we are simply responding to what he has already done. Because otherwise, it can feel like we've got to have everything sorted. We have to be okay. We have to be super tight with Jesus. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus did everything on our behalf so that we could be tight with him so that we could make room for him, so that we could know him personally. That is what Christmas is about. And so what does this look like? Um, If we look at the wise men, just real quickly, uh, we get a bit of an insight as to this idea of preparing him room and responding to what he has already done. So after this interview, uh, I'm reading now from verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Notice, somewhere else, not to the seat of power in Jerusalem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, John Christendom uh, a guy who lived a really long time ago and is a part of church history, wrote this about the wise men or the Magi. He refers to them as, and we'll come up on screen. If the Magi had come in search of an earthly king, they would have been disconcerted at finding that they had taken the trouble to come such a long way for nothing. Consequently, they would have neither adored nor offered gifts. But since they sought a heavenly king, Though they found in him no signs of royal preeminence, yet content with the testimony of the star alone, they adored him. For they saw a man, and they acknowledged God. They saw a man, and they acknowledged God. How powerful is that? When we go looking for Jesus, or like whatever it is, fulfillment in the wrong places, we will be well, ultimately, just, like, it's just not going to fulfill us. It's not enough. But when we realize that Jesus wasn't just a baby, <laughs> that he wasn't just another human, but that he was the second person of the Trinity, God himself, God in flesh, and we, we come to him as all of those things to us, we will never, ever be dissatisfied with who we discover him to be and who he wants to be for us. And so in preparing room for Jesus in our lives, um, I want to just make a a few real quick points. Firstly, we are responding to him and his love. In preparing room for Jesus, we are responding to him and his love, that he made the first move. Is Is that good news, family? 
that he made the first move. Also then, we are recognizing that he is present, that he is God with us. He made the first move, and he continues by making himself known to us in the person of Jesus. How good is that news, family? This is what we're celebrating at Christmas. And then, like the wise men, I think that we actually have some options here. We see that they're joyed, yes, at the star and the fact that it finally settled and they've been on a long journey. But I think that there was also a sense of joy and anticipation that they were going to finally get to meet this one. This one that was different. They had some idea, as Grant was saying, some idea whether they fully understood or not, they had some idea that this person, this baby that they were going to meet, this king of the Jews was different to the rest because they came a really long way. And they came with gifts. And so there was a sense of joy and they delight in this one that they meet. And then we read that they worship him. They come to him, they worship him, and they lay their gifts down. So finally, in this like age, it is so important that we as followers of Jesus are taking the time to be with, uh, with Jesus. Otherwise, how else will we be like him? To respond to and to experience his great love, to be present to him as he is present with us, to give him our attention to enjoy him and worship him. Because in the end, what we give our attention to is what we give ourselves to. What we give ourselves to is what we treasure. And what we treasure ultimately will be what we worship. Or simply put in the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 21, uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this Christmas season, What are we looking to for fulfillment? Or who are we looking to for fulfillment? For satisfaction, what are we chasing? What are we giving our attention to? Because these external things are super easy to focus on and get fixated on. But in amongst all of this stuff, we can miss the one that truly matters, the one who actually makes a difference, the one who brings peace and joy and who is worthy of our worship and our gifts the one who came and prepared us for him when there was no room for him. He is the one that we come to. He is the one we remember. He is the one we worship. He is the one we give ourselves to this Christmas. And day after day after day, that is the invitation because he loved us first. He loved us first, family. We respond not out of obligation, but out of invitation. Do you understand that Jesus loves you? That he would make like so much that he would make the first move. That whether like you're a, you're an amazing person or a less amazing person, whatever it is that you have done in your life, Jesus made the first move and continues to make moves towards you so that you can meet with him and connect with him and be forever changed by him. He was not just a baby born 2,000 years ago. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Do we realize that this Christmas season, family? This Christmas season, let's not mistake activity for preparation. Let's not mistake activity for preparation. We can do a lot of things, focus on a lot of things, and miss what is truly important. The external, yeah, we need to eat. Our baby needs a bed. A pram is probably important. Nappies, probably the most important. 
It's super easy to get fixated on all of those things, though, and miss this one truth, that the interior world, who I am and who I am becoming, matters most. Because Jesus came to see to that. He came to enable that. He came so that you could become who you were meant to be. That is the truth of Christmas. That is why we celebrate. And we light the love candle this morning because he loved us first. This morning I'll just end with one quote. And then uh, as I read this, the team's just going to come up and we're going to move into a time of worship. This quote um, is from John Mark Comer, and he was talking about this idea of like worship and joy, and this is what he says. It will be up on the screen. Worship and joy start with the capacity to turn our minds' attention toward the God who is always with us in the now. As apprentices of Jesus, this is our main task and the locus of the devil's stratagem against us. So many live without a sense of God's presence throughout the day. So many live without a sense of God's presence throughout the day. We talk about his absence as if it's the great question of theodicy. We sit around, sucked into our phones or TV or to-do lists or Christmas lists, whatever it might be, oblivious to the God who is around us, with us, in us, even more desirous than we are for relationships more desirous than we are for relationship. Family. Like, it's such an easy thing to say, and I think it's something we can get overly like, familiar with, but the truth is, Jesus loves you. That is the truth. However like, many times you have heard it, Jesus loves you. And he made the first move, and we respond to that, not out of obligation, but invitation. Family, do you know you were deeply loved by the high king of heaven who concealed his glory and put on human flesh, and he came for you so that you could know him, so that you could know what it is to find fulfillment and satisfaction in life. And it is only through him, only through him. This might seem like an overly simple message, but in the end, it's only Jesus. That end, only Jesus. That's it. And if there is something in my heart that has me chasing other things, then I need to weigh those things up and I need to go to Jesus with those things and help him, to ask him to help me put those into like their right order. Again, that drive, not a bad thing, but it can be misplaced. These can be good things we go after, but they are not God. And we're going to end there this morning, family. And we'll just pray, and then we're going to move into a time of worship, of giving honor and thanks to the one who made the first move. So how about we stand and, uh, and let's pray. Lord, we... Oh. Yeah, just thinking like literally about that last sentence uh, in that quote, Lord, that you are more desirous for relationship than we are. That you desire to know us more than we desire to know you. 
And that's not some nice thought. It's something you proved to us in your coming. And taking the title Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, help us as we move towards Christmas. We have five days left. Help us because we need your help to be more aware of your presence, the movements of your spirit. And I think ultimately, Lord, we need to be like uh, conquered by your love. Again, like afresh. That we would be drawn into the only thing that will truly satisfy us, a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we come to you with our gifts, with our songs, with our different ways of serving you. And we give them to you as acts of worship and gifts. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. You are our king. You are worthy of our praise. Amen.